Pericletos Media. Pericletos is an umbrella ministry for Christian books, movies, music, YouTube, and podcasts. Here on Pericletos Media Podcasts, it's an extension of that ministry umbrella by having one single podcast with many different speakers. A place to hear sermons, Bible studies, interviews, devotionals, and insights. Thank you for listening as we continue to grow with you together. We look forward to adding more great speakers in the future. For more information, go to www.houseofrestchurch.com and click on Pericletos Media. God bless. Bang, right? We're just going to just go right into this thing and we're just going to talk about conflict. <laughs> just straight conflict, arguing, all those things. We're just going to hit this thing because I'm just like, we might as well just go all in on this thing, you know? And if we start fighting up here, it's, it's real and it's not active. <laughs> it's just real. You know, but um, I want to start off with this. I didn't bring my boxing gloves, though. You don't use boxing gloves on me. <laughs> Uh, we're going to start off with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 and 18. And it just reads like this, right, guys? If I'm just going to go ahead and read it. I don't have it on the... Why do I have that picture up still? Okay. So I don't have the scripture up, but I'm just going to read it. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18. It's a scripture that we know. 17 if, through 18. Yeah. Why? You're already starting? <laughs> It's a, it's a scripture I quote a lot, so if you come here or if you watch, you're going to hear me quote this a lot, but it says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You've heard me say that first part all the time. We're a new creation of Christ. Old things pass away. I love that verse. But we, I never quote the end part or the second verse after that. This is now, now that we're new in Christ, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other translations, it actually says he's given us the gift of reconciliation. In other words... Because he has now reconciled himself to us. You know what reconcile means? When you fix something. Right? So he gives us a gift of it. It's like this is a gift. And he goes, I'm going to give this gift to you of reconciliation. So now you can go and reconcile other things in your life. Because you have not reconciled with him. And that's a gift. So we can't go around with grudges anymore. Because you know what? The very fact that your sins were forgiven, which the, literally grace means you were not deserving of that forgiveness, but because he gave that to us, it's a gift of reconciliation, and now we should carry that out. So I wanted to base that on today's sermon called Unresolved Conflict. Unresolved Conflict. And I, I, I think, because I was telling Sharon, I said, you know, the way we're doing it is the next three couples is, out of the three couples, we've been married the least longest. And then the second couple, and then the third, is in, the in the mid as far as how long they've been married. And then the longer at the end. Because I know that there's some people here that are single still. And I wanted to talk to you guys because being single 
is, is fresher in our minds than it is for Al in the 20s. Where's Al? Right? You, you haven't been single since the 1920s? He says, yeah. So I said, you know what? If anybody's going to hit the single life, it, it should be us because we're, we're new to this. You know, so we're going to start off there, guys. And uh, I guess I'll start first. Oh, man. <laughs> you can do it, Patrick. I know. This is stuff I don't talk about. <laughs> As a believer, it is important to be equally yoked. Yeah. Equally yoked is when you get back then, they didn't have tractors. They would have animals, and they would plow a field. So they would put this thing around the animal, and the other one around, and they would go straight. So, in other words, the only way this would work is if we were both going the same direction. If we, if we were going, if you're trying to go that way and I'm trying to go this way, or if I'm trying to sit back and you're trying to run, it's not going to work. So, Scripture says to be equally yoked. You know, and I understood that because you got to understand, I was a Christian as a single Christian before I met you. So, I understood this. I'm just like, man, there ain't nobody... Nobody can run like me. Nobody can do things. It would have to be an insane woman to be equally yoked with me. And, you know, and I'm just like, so I knew that coming, in, coming into a place of pastoring this church as a single man. You know, and it's like knowing that. He, so here's the thing. Before Christ, you don't have any guidelines. Just anything goes. You know what I mean? Anything goes, regardless of how they live their life, regardless of how you live your life, anything goes, whatever. But as a Christian and as a pastor of House of Rest, I'm like, oh man, this standard's high. I don't know if she even exists. You know, and, and, and it's hard, right? But um, unfortunately, you learn that to be equally yoked just, it doesn't just mean being a Christian. Because those can be in the church and still want to go a whole different way. So that adds more to it. You know, and, and that's the life that I was living, and, and it was rough in, in, in the, you know, the months or the couple of years that led before meeting Sharon of pastoring this church, having to show up every Sunday, and seeing all the couples walk off to go eat, and I had nobody to eat with. Well, I had my little boy, you know, but, um, and, and it, it was, it was, um, it put me in a hard position. How do you pastor and speak to a couple? If I'm alone, how do you go minister? How do you go to a church? How do you do this? Because everything's around marriages and couples and this and that. I'm like, ah, whatever, you know. And it, it puts you in a hard position, honestly, because the church is so family oriented, you know. And, and I, I'm actually wondering whether is the church empty today because of this marriage thing, or is it because of the hour back, or is it because of both? <laughs> Just being honest, right? Just being honest. <laughs> you know, but here's the thing, right? Here, yeah, but here's the thing. How if you if you don't want to be single later, then we want to make sure that we are we hear something that's going to set us in the right direction in order for us. So everybody's looking for the perfect person, but nobody's trying to make yourself perfect. You know, and and by being here, and if you are single, I pray that this is speaking to you. Uh, because it's hard. It's hard to be single. It's hard to be a single Christian. It's really hard to be a single Christian pastor. You know, and um, it, it was rough. 
another, my next point is this, is that um, it's really easy, guys. I'm going to give you some, some advice. It's really easy to tell if somebody is sent to you by God. So many people wonder, man, I wonder if this is of God. I wonder if this is of God. I don't know. This is not. I'm going to make it really simple for you. If they are from God, they're going to bring you closer to God. If they're not from God, they're going to take you further. Real easy. Real easy. It's really simple. Are they taking you closer to God or are they taking you further from God? Yeah, there's nothing to figure out other than that. If, if all of a sudden you meet this person and you're starting to do the things of God less, well, you, there's your answer. But if, you know, because what happens is when two people are ignited for God and they start talking about God, they start building each other up. So that's another thing I understood. You know, I understood that as a single pastor, I'm just like, okay, I got to be equally yoked. This woman has to be crazy enough to go and, and go through the fields that I'm going to be going through in my life. Not only that, but she has to bring me closer to God, not further from God, or else I will know by default she is not equally yoked to me, nor am I equally yoked to her. You know, but here's the problem. Unfortunately, most of us come to Christ later in life. We've lived life. We've been out in the world. We know the things the world has to offer. We've experienced things out in the world. And it's like we are in Christ, we're washed in the blood, but we got all this baggage, all this stuff that we went through. So it's like all these preconditions and these perceptions and triggers that, that I'm trying to now in Christ lay a right foundation, but I can't get rid of this baggage that's always there. And it just doesn't go away. That was good. We got a lot of baggage, huh? Yeah, you guys see it here? You know, my perspective, I want to talk to, of course, a lot of the women. You know, and, and it's going to minister to a lot of men, too, because being a single parent, you know, for, for so long and everything, a lot of the times, the things that we've gone through, we've obviously had some soul ties. We've obviously had some hurt, some pain, some things that have taken place. But the most important thing is realizing who we are. Knowing the gem, knowing the diamond that we are. Because a lot of the times when we come into Christ, we come in so broken. We come in and, and then the first moment somebody says something nice or the first moment somebody comes along, we get swooped, yet not knowing who we are. And sometimes it may take some time to really truly know who you are in Christ because knowing your identity takes time to figure out who you are, amen? So one of the th things that's really, really important before you start seeking, before you start looking, before seek him so that you can find yourself and love yourself first. Because what do we have to offer? What do we have for anybody to benefit from if we don't love ourselves? We can only love if we know love. And we'll know love in who we are on our own. So find yourself, seek him find love first amen as a believing woman once you have found yourself emotions women are emotional we are emotional and you know what it's okay to be emotional but we got to not let our emotions overtake and indirect and be the ones that are going to cloud the emotions shouldn't cloud our judgment period at all 
And I think a lot of the times as women, what we do is we allow our emotions to cloud our judgment. We make the wrong decisions. We say the wrong things. We do the wrong things. And sometimes we know it. We know that we've made the wrong decisions and we know it. But the thing is, is that we're sometimes wanting something more and believing in something more that it does cloud our judgment. So that's so, so important that we just be careful with allowing our emotions to lead the way in choosing somebody for you. Um, I love that I put here that to interfere with God's calling in our lives, for this you need to know who you are to counter those moments. So it is so important. The third one, waiting on God for approval in whom you are seeking or asking for and knowing how to hear God's voice in this area. For the new Christian seeking more of him than to worry about whom he has for you is a better way to know who he has for you. More of him, less of you equals a better him or her for you. So the more we're seeking, the more we're seeking, the more we're seeking, God knows your desires. God knows what you want. He knows what you want. I had been, you know, single for, for almost two years before even meeting David, before he even came into my life. And I wanted nobody. I wanted to stay focused. I was like, Lord, I'm just going to seek you. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to stay watching you, looking at you. And there he comes and he falls onto my, you know, into my path. So that's another thing. We need to stay focused on God. You know, one thing was, was being single. Um... I found myself during that time living at my parents' house because I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what was going on. Um, I didn't have anything. Uh, everything I had before prison, I, 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 like, I owned my own home. I, I had bought it. I, and I came out to nothing. You know, and having to go through the things that I went through getting out and more heartbreak before I met you getting out. And I found myself once again after my release, two years later, back at my parents' house, uh, by that time, uh, there was nowhere for me to sleep, and my dad had this RV parked on the side there with uh, no running water, and had electricity, and my dad says, you can stay here if you want. You know, so here I am, pastoring a church, living in an RV smaller than the stage. You know, and, and, here's, and here's the thing, though, is... How does it look if I come and start doing the whole pity party about myself? So I just preach the gospel. I just preach the gospel and nobody would know. And everybody goes off to have their dinners and have their lunches together and I go back to my RV. You know what I mean? And I would just sit there to use the restroom. I had to go into my parents' house because there was no running water. And it's like, that's where I was at. And it's like, at this time and this place, you know, um, is, is I, was, I had my son with me. My son David, he was with me, pastoring the church, living at my parents' house, and I don't have, here's the thing too, is that I have nothing to offer this woman, whoever she is. And I realize that, and I know that, and I gotta, I gotta tell the truth to myself, be truthful to myself, and say, why would God bring somebody into my life if I have nothing to offer? Like, I don't have anything. I don't even have running water. You can't even come and use my bathroom. You know, you can't do anything. All I have to offer you is my dreams. 
And trust me, I got a lot of them. You know, and then it's like, and even then, that would probably scare her because I'd be like, yeah, I want to write books, I want to do this, I want to do this. She'd probably run. So I kept my dreams back until a ring was on her hand. But, <laughs> you know, um, I had nothing to offer to you. You know, and I remember in a conversation when we were first talking on the phone because she was down south and we were just talking, just kind of, just kind of feeling things out, you know, seeing what she's like and she's seeing what I'm like. And I remember very early on, very early on when I realized that I began to have feelings for her. I'm like, you know, because, um, you know, here's the thing. Here's a woman that's been in ministry for 22 years at the time. And she belonged to this huge church and, and the pastors knew her and all this and that. And so when I say I pastor a church, she probably had these high expectations, <laughs> you know. Not knowing I'm just laying up, laying up in an RV talking to her, you know? And, uh, and I had to tell her, I said, you know, i, I got to be honest with you. I don't know how you're going to feel after this conversation. Um, but I, I have nothing to give you. I have nothing. I literally have nothing. I, I don't even have... He hadn't even told me an RV yet. He just said a small place. Oh. <laughs> and she probably thought those little houses, those shows of little houses. You know? And I said, I, I, don't, I don't have anything. You know? And... Um, so I found myself in that position, and I remember telling her I have nothing to offer but, but my dreams. Well, here I am in SoCal, minding my own business, okay? Until I seen some pastor friends of ours uh, put up a post about Cadillac. You guys know your guys' pastor loves to drink Cadillacs. Yeah. So I'm a cheesecake maker. I'm a baker. That's what I had. I had my little bakery back in SoCal. And... You know, I'm scrolling, I, he kept, it, it kept coming up because people kept, I didn't know he was that popular, so it kept popping up on my news feed. And I'm like, I see people putting things about chocolate, about different things, and I'm just like... Chocolate. Yeah. So I'm like, what does a Cadillac, a car, have to do with chocolate? You know? I don't know these terms. I don't know these things. So I click on there and I, I asked on there, I said, what is a Cadillac? And of course, Mr. Uh, David here, he's like, it's a prison delicacy. That's when you should have ran. You know what? I maybe should have, but I didn't. It became interesting to me because he began to give me the ingredients um, of, of the Cadillac on there. That's my pickup line. He began to give me the ingredients of the Cadillac. And from there, I was like, that would make an awesome cheesecake. Boom, the light bulb went on on David, and he's like, cheesecake, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. It interested him, the cheesecake. So, you know, I invented the Cadillac cheesecake, and it became one of my good sellers in Southern California, you know, which is awesome, because it is really, really good, and it actually tastes like you're in prison, you know? <laughs> but the reality at that time in my life, I just want to set the stage because I had been seeking and seeking. I was in a whole different place in my walk at that time. My kids are already growing up. They're pretty much grown up at this time. Um, I except, had a, Abraham. except for Abraham. He was my little 11-year-old around that time, you know, my baby. You didn't exist yet, Caesar. sorry. <laughs> um, so I was in a good place, you know. I had my home over there, and I, even though it wasn't, didn't belong to me, but it was my home. I took care of it. It was my home. All my children lived there. My son lived in the back pool house. Um, and, you know, I had my daughter, I had my grandbaby, I had all my kids there with me, um, just going to church, serving, and doing what God has called me to do. 
And it was a hard transition for me to even get to that place. You know, because I know that I've shared before that I, I came from a very long time of abuse, you know, and, and a lot of sexual abuse, abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, and all of that. And it was really, really hard for me to even get to that place because I needed a lot of healing. A lot, a lot of healing. It was hard for me. But I finally got to that place where God needed me to be. My focus was just on him. You know, things were going really, really good until one day I had a dream. And I had a dream on Saturday. I had invited some friends to come stay. They were looking for a room at that time. Sal and Monica, which I love so much. They're amazing people. And they were staying there with me. And Monica, we would wake up early to have coffee every morning. We'd pray, and then we'd um, have our coffee in the morning. And I'd started telling her on Sunday morning about a dream that I had. And the dream was very specific still to this day. I remember it. It's very, very detailed. And it had to do with four men. One of them, I'm not going to go through the whole dream, but one of them making my heart flutter and having uh, some beautiful fragrances of approval. And I was walking towards a field, like a ranch place, and there was a little house. In that little house, there was a table, and the people came out of that house, and they were so full of joy. I didn't understand it. Everybody was happy, like filled with joy. And I'm like, God, these people are really happy, you know? Then, um, we end up going to, I ended up in this big building, and when I ended up in this big building, it was very specific in the numbers. It was 31 and 32, and I remember those numbers very well, and I remember just coming out saying, that's my blessing, that's my blessing, and my dream ended. So as me and David are talking throughout the time, he starts to share with me the pictures of him and his brothers. And he told me the important thing that his dad taught him, that no matter what, that they are to stay together and be strong together and always be unified. And that stuck with me when he told me that, and it almost seemed like it was an approval, that everybody needed to approve of one another and their lives because that's how close and how, how you know, strong the bond is within this family. Then he told me that all of his family was saved. And that right there, it made sense why there was a family full of joy in my dream. And that was something that I had never seen. I came from a lot of brokenness. I came from a lot of that. So I never got a chance to know and see what it is, what it feels like to, to have a father, you know, like that, or to have a mom and, and who's believing, you know. And so for me to see that joyous family, it, it made sense to me. And then when he told me, that they lived out in a field and everything. It was exactly the way I seen it in my dream. And then we began to talk. Mm -hmm. We began to talk. Um, I still had, obviously, we said that we have baggage. And when you've gone through brokenness, when you've gone through anything in life, when you've already lived a lot of life, you come with a lot of baggage. And that's how I felt. I felt like I was coming with that baggage. But yeah, so, I mean, the reality is that we all have baggage. Some of us more than others, but regardless of the fact, you know, we didn't 
most of us didn't grow up as saints. We didn't grow up walking on water. And, and because of the life situations, it brings on baggage. And, and so I have, I'm living in this RV. A bunch of boxes were like every place that I could put, I have my stuff in my boxes that were stuffed in there. But not only that, but in the spiritual sense, I also had, had boxes that were filled also. You know, um, there's boxes full of baggage in my heart. And here's the thing, though, that we come into Christ brand new. The scripture that I read, that we're a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. All things become new. So in the spiritual sense, we're new. But many of us, are, our spirit or our soul has all of this baggage. And I'm like, okay, Christ, I'm, I'm new now, but what am I going to do with this? What do I do with this? You know, it, it's, it's almost as if you come into a new life and God says, okay, build your new life. But you got to build it with the stuff you've got. And it'd be like trying to build, like when we came to build these, these walls and stuff, imagine trying to do it with warped wood. And it'd be like, you know, everybody here, you know, brother, if Bobas was here, you know, Alan was here, whoever was here. I know he's here. You know, imagine if I'm like, hey, guys, we're going to do a stage, we're going to do this. And they're like, everything's warped. Uh, that's, that's what we got to work with. And that's what it felt like. Like, man, I, I, I like this person. Um, I like what I hear. It sounds like we're going the same direction, but I don't have nothing to offer. All I have is this warped wood, all this warped stuff. And, and I had to realize that only Jesus can, only through Christ can this even be done. Because I'm looking and I'm just like, you got a bunch of warped wood over there too. You know, so we're just going to be a disaster. You know, what, what's, what's going to happen here, you know? You know, coming with all that hurt and everything, I, I had a lot of shame. There was a lot of shame, and a lot of the times we don't show it, but we have it. We carry it, you know? And um, I did ask myself, I said, is it too much for someone to even love me? Like, really? Everything that I'm bringing, can somebody even love me? And... Is it even possible? But if Jesus loved me, can someone who loves Jesus love me too? And I think that was the question that I had. I was like, okay, Lord, if they love you, is there a possibility that maybe they can love me too? And that doubt, that seed of doubt, always played tricks on my mind. And I allowed it because I was filled with shame. I was filled with so much hurt and so much pain. I've always driven, it's a term when they say, you know, sometimes you gotta let go of the steering wheel and let somebody else drive. And I've been driving the car for a long time at that point in my life. I just finally wanted to sometimes just let go and let it drive off to wherever it was gonna drive off to because you become tired. And I was tired. But at the same time, I'm still seeking. I kept seeking. I may not have known how to do it perfectly, the way other people think is perfect, but it was perfect for him. And he reassured me every time that the way you seek me is just the way I want you to seek me. And it was with my heart. It was with everything that I had. So this baggage, I began to, you guys know I love to organize things. I kind of began to organize my baggage. And I, see, I know that sounds kind of weird. But when you begin to organize your baggage, sometimes what happens, you put the things that affect you the less at the top of the pile. 
you know, because it's easier to deal with. But the things that affect me so deep down, I put them at the bottom, and here's what happens when you put that baggage all the way at the bottom and you hide it so good. How many times do we go and we put things away and we actually forget where we put it? Yeah. That's what happened. I put it so deep down away that I almost began to forget that it even existed in my life. There was things, and I'd catch myself, and I'd be like, oh my God, you know, that's so sad to hear a story of a child committing suicide at 10 and 11, not even realizing that I was that child committing suicide at that, at that age. There was so many things deep down that I had forgotten about. So don't organize your baggage. So we now meet. Um, we're talking for a long time. You know, when you go through that moment when you're just, you want to spend hours talking to somebody. I'm sure, Mina, you got really, really tired of it. <laughs> you know? So RV, she, she didn't know. <laughs> um, we talked a lot. I got to know him a lot. I got to know his personality, his character, um, who he was. And I will be honest, it did, you know, to me, I just kind of felt like here comes that one baggage of me feeling like, am I even capable of, of stepping into something like this? You know, Lord, do you even find me worthy enough to step into something like this? And that was really, really hard, you know, to go through those, those false emotions and not realize um, that God had bigger plans in my life. So we meet. Finally, after many months, I come down here to visit on a December to bring cheesecakes, of course. Yep. <laughs> to bring cheesecakes, and I got to meet um, his parents, and I got to meet just a very few people from the church, and I went back home, you know? And I think I went home more sure of knowing what it is that I needed to talk to God about. And I did. Months still after that, we're already going for more than half a year. I finally decide, um, he says, well, for us to have this relationship, then we need to be present um, together. We need to be able to see each other. We need to be able to do all that. You gotta remember, I've never driven out of SoCal more past than two hours ever in my life. So for me to even come to Northern California was a really big thing. And I fought with it. I was like, Lord, no, I, I, I don't know anything else but the valley, San Fernando Valley. That's all I knew. I grew up there, I was born there, that's all I knew. So for me to have to come further was, was just out of the question. But as time progressed and I started to see more and more of things from my dream come into reality and take fruition, the Lord started to settle more in my heart and that's when David said, are you, you want to make the move? And I said, you know what? Yeah. I started to slowly rent a room out here, and I still had my home, but I was making the transition slowly. Here I come, and took the move, made the move, me and Abraham. A year later, I'm, I'm kind of waiting very patiently, like, you know, Lord, you know, you, you gave me a man who knows what he wants, you know um, his desires, you know my desires, you know what I want. But there was no reaction out of him. Then two years comes. And two years, 
I'm still waiting. And I'm like, well, Lord, didn't you tell me that I was going to marry this man? You know, what's going on, you know? And, and so at this point, I'm starting to allow those feelings settle in and think, like, is something wrong with me? Did I do something? You know, what am I doing wrong, you know? Um, why isn't he asking me to marry him, you know? And then three years comes along. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to tell you guys this, that a lot of people did not know that for those three years, I would park my car at in and out in Manteca, jump into his car, we'd come to church. Then he'd drop me back off in Manteca, get into my car, and I'd go home in Stockton. Every Wednesday, he'd come to the house, he'd go outside, hey, I'm here, text, whatever, I'm here. I'd go jump in his car, we'd go to Bible City, bring me right back. David did not step into my home. If I can count the month with two hands, how many times he stepped into my home. And one of them was mainly when I had my brain surgery. You know, and, and for me, it was bringing this anxiousness, this frustration, like, why did you bring me here? Why? I moved 400 miles, 500 miles almost. I left 435 miles, okay? 445, as a matter of fact, because I've driven it many times. Anyways, anyways, it's my turn right now, baby. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm questioning, and I'm questioning him, not God, because I'm just kind of like, Lord, I know, and, and I'm kind of thinking like, but why would you bring me here? Is it a different reason, maybe? And I ended up having to come to grips and tell him, hey, listen, maybe God just brought me here so that I can help you in the ministry. Maybe it's not meant for us to get married. Maybe, you know, and I'm allowing my emotions, because we're women, and so I allowed my emotions to kick in, and I was just like, Lord, I, I, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with him? I started to think, you know, and I really wanted to go back home. I was ready to put it all back in the U-Haul and put it all out of the storage and go back home. And I think I even remember crying to you, Sister Lydia, many times, like, Sister Lydia, what's happening, you know? But one day, God showed me something because, see, regardless of how I was feeling, regardless of how hurt, regardless of not understanding, I never stopped coming. I was here every Wednesday. I was here for every event that we had. I was here every Sunday, faithfully. You know, I was committed because it wasn't that I was just committed to him, I was committed to God. And I would tell him, I knew God before you, I'll know him during you, and you know what, and when one of us leave this earth, I'll still know him. Because things are not gonna change. I came to you knowing the God that I serve. And when that happened, God began to show me something. And he's like, you didn't give up. You continued to walk forward. And see what you don't realize that every time that you come in here smiling but broken inside, I sit on that chair in the front chair and I was receiving. I was being fed. Not realizing the impact that it was gonna have on me. I take off, come right back, do the same thing over and over. See, guilt, but God was building a foundation. He built a foundation without me realizing the foundation that he was building. And when I realized that, God said, see, if, if I allowed you to have 
all the passion and just the emotion and all of that, that attention from him, then you would not last. You needed to build on me first. That's right. And that foundation had to be strong so that it can withstand anything in the future. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. So I accepted that. And when he finally, and you know what? When I accepted that, you guys, I'm not kidding, within a month or so, he asked me to marry him. <laughs> Amen. So, um, you know, all my life, I had acted on impulse. And um, it always ruined everything. And when I... See, I didn't, I didn't want to lose her, so I told her to move here, but I wasn't ready to marry. So <laughs> I'm just like, okay, how do I do this? You know what I mean? And how do I do this? So she moves here, and I, I anticipated marrying, not waiting three years. But what, what I started to see is you got to, I didn't want to make an impulsive mistake. I didn't want, I had, I had seen people get together and divorce two, three times in the time that we were just courting. So I'm just like, this is crazy, you know? Um, I'm already in my 40s. I'm like, I'm not going to do this again. I had divorces under my belt already. I, I didn't want to do this again. You know, so I, I wanted to take my time and, and build something solid. You know, because you can, you can, it's really easy to build a house of cards. But the first one that comes blows it. And I'm like, you know, I, I want to I take my time and, and let this grow and let this grow in a way that's going to last a lifetime. I wanted a solid foundation, you know, and, and that's one thing that, that kept me. You know, other things were just my baggage, too, is I'm just like, you know what? Maybe um, I have divorces because it was my fault. Maybe it was my baggage that ruined all that stuff. And you know what's going to happen is I'm going to bring this baggage. I'm going to ruin you, too. You know, and that was my biggest fear because I'm like, man, here she moves all the way from SoCal. She's serving God, been in ministry, loves God, worships God, and I'm just going to come and just bring a wrecking ball into her life, you know? And I didn't want to do that, and I didn't know how to do it to where it wouldn't destroy you, and at the same time, not destroy me too, you know? And, and I didn't know how to get to that, but either way, you know, I knew that the time was coming, and that's when I asked you to marry me. So... He asked me to marry him. I waited a long time. And it did make me feel a certain kind of way, though. You got to remember a lot of the times when um, things don't happen as fast or when things take place, it makes a person insecure. It makes them think like, well, is he double thinking about it? Is there more that he needs for me? What about me? You know, so I took that baggage and I put it here. I'm going to put it here. So I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling like, do I need to do more? And I ended up becoming a busybody. I became a Martha. You know, because a Martha wants to, wanted to please. And that's what I became. I became that Martha where I just always wanted to stay busy, stay busy, stay busy, because it would keep me not focused on what was not taking place here. So I stayed busy in the things of God. And I love doing the things of God because everything that I do, I do it 
to my best of my ability. So I'm like, Lord, if there's anything that I can do is to stay busy for you. But there were times that I realized that possibly it wasn't, it was out of obligation. And sometimes I'd lose that love. And that's when I, had, I started to realize, wait a minute, I gotta take a step back. Why am I doing this? Am I doing it, Lord, because I want to do it just unto you, or am I doing it because I want to please him, or I want, to, I want him to take notice of what, I, what I am and what I'm doing? So I had to take a step back and realize that I had to do things unto God and only unto God, but I knew that I was bringing that baggage, and I put it there. You know, my thing was this, is the fact that even though she did this and didn't say it, and she didn't actually consciously do it, but she put something there, so now it's like every time now I'm trying to talk to you, I'm feeling this pressure and I'm getting frustrated because I'm used to a tight circle. I, I, I was used to my life, either you're my friend or my foe. I don't have people on the fence, this or that. Uh, and, and I started to feel this and, and like the, she had this box between us and, and it started like, it started making me angry. I started feeling like, like um, guilty because I'm like, man, she moved all the way over here. Now she's nagging me. When am I going to marry her? So now I don't even want to ask you to marry me because now she's going to think I gave in to her when I'm like, oh, you didn't punk me. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I didn't know how to do this. I didn't know how to take it. And I didn't know how to feel. So I'm like, you know what? You want to do that? I'm going to do it too. And I'll put a box in the center here too. Because this is the way I'm going to react. You know? And his reaction caused me to shut down. His reaction caused me to shut down. So what I began to do is it became hard to communicate and tell him what I was feeling because of the retaliation. Because of the way you come at me, I feel like I can't come to you and talk to you because there was no communication at that time. It was hard to communicate. So there I go. I put a baggage. Oh, heck no. Of communication. <laughs> because I cannot communicate. Wow. That just makes things worse. You know, I, I've always been a person to react. If somebody comes at me respectfully, I'm going to respect them. You come to me smiling, you know, you come at me with an attitude, I'm going to have an attitude back. And I used to always tell you that. Because you'd be like, why are you acting like that? I'm like, I'm reflecting you. You know, so it's like, okay, she wants to do this play. I can play this game because I got a whole bunch of boxes too. So I can do this all day long. You know what I mean? I can sit in a cell all day long so I can put boxes down all day long because you're not going to punk me. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. When you have a broken woman that has come with a broken past and has come with all of that, when somebody comes and does that, it hurts. It's scary. It's really, really scary because you really feel so, you, you start to become so quiet and you start to seclude yourself. And in the heart, but on the outer, on the outer shell, you see a smile, you see the glance, you see, you know, the how are you, you see all of that, but inside I'm broken because I don't know how to reach, I don't know how to communicate because of the retaliation comes back like that. It scared me, so it brought fear. And now I have fear. So here's the thing, right? Is I'm like, okay, that's how you're gonna be. <laughs> but I can still pastor because there's no box between you guys. So I can be an amazing pastor, I could be an amazing friend, I could be an amazing brother, 
you know, with your chin over here trying to punk me, you know what I mean? But at least I can still see you. We could, we're talking, but I like, I kind of feel like there's something in the between here, and I don't know what it is, and you don't know what it is, but it's like, it's easier to go to ministry now. Yeah, I can't read in between the lines, and yeah. I'm not letting you read me. Yeah, so now it's just easier to go that way. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I can still see you, so I still care for you, I still love you, but I still sense something there, so it's just easier to project that way. You guys see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's easier to project towards your kids, it's easier to project towards your coworkers or your best friend, your BFF, your Facebook, your Instagram, it's easier because there's no boxes. Because you go this way and you're like, oh man, all this drama, forget that. I'll just post my selfie on Instagram and get a bunch of likes, because you ain't liking me. You know what I mean? So that's how we start to live. That's how we start to function. And here's the thing, right? If, if you can see, we're not going to build this whole thing up because this isn't about me and Sharon. But this is the thing, right? Is that you can see how quick this can escalate really fast. You know? And, and as it gets worse, you know, because like, for instance, one might be you have, um, um, we have a wrong attitude toward one another. So, you know, that's going to put a box there. And you know what? Quitting physically or emotionally. There's a box right there. Oh, is that I, right? Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Well, I'm going to sow some bad seed here. I'm just going to put this right here because you can't hurt me if I'm on this side. And you know what? Jealousy. Jealousy is not good at all. It hurts. Oh, you want to shut down when we argue? I want to talk things out or you want, or you want me to talk things out? I don't want to talk to you. So you know what? Being passive and arguing and walking away but not resolving it, guess what? Another box. Not sacrificing or finding compromise for your partner. Because we should be able to compromise. We should be able to talk to our partner and be like, you know what? Maybe this is the way to do it. Maybe the, oh, but no, he didn't want to hear it. Like, oh, okay, that's how you're going to act. But this female at my job, she always wants to listen to all my problems, so I'm going to talk to her. I'm not cheating. I'm just talking. She's helping me through it. But you know what that does? That puts a more another box between us. Yeah. All right. So now he does this and makes me feel a certain way. So what do we do? We go and talk to others about them. We start to stain their testimony. And, you know, it's hard because at the end of it all, you've already poisoned and you've already polluted somebody else's mind. But yet then the next day or two, we're gonna be talking okay for a little bit. But now we've sowed bad seed into somebody and put doubt into somebody. About the very person you're with? Yeah, exactly. Wow, well, you know what? Every time you do that, go talk to other ladies at the church about me. I, I feel like you ain't respecting me. There's no respect. You know what I mean? And I feel like if you're trying to diss me, you're trying to punk me or something. I don't know what you do. You're trying to shank me next time? I feel like there's no respect here. So you know what? I'm going to do this to protect myself from you because I can't trust you. Lord. You know, did you just do a circle around me? I don't know what I do. You do respect. And you know why it's hard to respect? Because I don't feel loved. You don't show me that love, and I don't feel loved. And many feel like that a lot of the times as women. Like the book says, respect and love. Men don't feel respected, and women don't feel loved. You know, there's other couples out there right now that say that you're a mixed family, and you're like, man, I don't like the way you yell at your kid, or you don't like the way I yell at mine. So now, we don't resolve this thing. We don't sit down. And as a matter of fact, we're going to argue in front of the kids. And you know what that does? Yeah. Puts another one. Yeah. It causes your children to have resentment yeah. towards the other parent. 
to not be able to receive, to not be able to take direction, to not be able to take any of that. So that's okay. You never hold my hand anyways. You never tell me I'm beautiful. You never show me the physical love. And that's what a lot of people go through. A lot of the times they're in their shell where the man gets so under a rock that he doesn't realize that a woman needs that. That his wife is seeking for the physical. Hold my hand, give me a hug. Show me you love me. Don't just tell me, show me as well. Because sometimes actions speak louder than words. Yeah, but you over here crying about being loved, but I come home from work, I work really hard, and I don't even have dinner waiting for me. <laughs> you know, there's nothing there, there's nothing. It's like I come home to a dirty house and no food, this is crazy. I feel like you don't even appreciate me. I just changed your oil yesterday, you didn't even notice. Or I did this, or I did that. You don't even notice, you know what? Let's do this. Thank God my house is nice and clean. <laughs> wow. The financial hardship. Finances plays a really, really big, a big role in two people when they're together. Because either one takes the, the greater, the greater responsibility and then, you know, the other one's trying to do things in different ways. But the thing is, is that if you don't come together and agree on something, then there's a financial hardship. If you can't take on that responsibility together, there's a hardship. And you know what? Finances are getting really, really hard. Another really easy box to put up, and this is the biggest reason why social media can be dangerous, is because what happens is, this is so hard to see you, so it's like, it's easier to do something else, so now you start thinking about your past and past relationships. I wonder if she's still on Facebook. I wonder if he's you know on what? Facebook. This one's still bothering me. Yeah? Nothing's been resolved, so this is going here. Okay. This is priority. Okay, so that pushes the husband even further now, so now, because of insecurities, because it's like, why, why is she staying away from Maybe you're talking to your ex. Maybe you're looking on Facebook. Maybe, you know what? I, I feel so insecure because of this and, and her past. And I, I know it was never really resolved. And they just kind of just split apart, but it was nothing. So you know what? I don't, I don't trust you. You know, he mentioned that he wanted crazy and somebody to keep up. But see, a lot of the times, men think that we're able to keep up with all their expectations. The other spouse feels that we can keep up with its expectations. And what happens when we start meeting their expectations, their expectations, their expectations, you begin to forget who you are. You lose yourself. And that's not good. Because when you start doing, 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 doing for others, then where are you? Who are you? Who have you become? So, it's hard to meet those expectations. Here's the thing, guys. These boxes don't represent an actual argument. A lot of times, the, you put a box, and the other person doesn't even realize you're upset about it because there's no communication. You start to see things. You start to fill in blanks. You start to do all these things, and it's like you, you feel like the person's being condescending to you or whatever. They don't even realize it. They don't know. You know, like I saw this funny license plate the other day. He goes, I'm not yelling, I'm Italian. <laughs> yeah? Because Italians tend to yell a lot. You know, there's a funny plate. I just read that yesterday. But sometimes we put boxes against a person. They don't even know it because it was never communicated. Yeah. And condescending can be a very, very bad thing in anything, not just in a relationship, not just in a marriage. 
how we treat each other, how we speak to each other. All of this has to do with all of that. But here's the thing, what about gaslighting? When you start to bully somebody, or you start to feel that you know you have control, you know, and they begin to gaslight you. And a lot of guys, you come into a household, let's say you were single and now you're coming into Christ and you start the relationship, you have kids, they have kids, and all of a sudden, you know, maybe it's, 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 it's you can't, you're, you're down in your luck, you're not working, she's working, she's paying the bills, she's the one doing everything, so now you feel like, like you don't even have a say-so in your whole household because you can't say nothing to her kids because they're doing stuff that you don't like, you can't say nothing because you're not even paying the bills, you say anything, you know what I mean? So all of a sudden, the man feels like he has no say-so in his house, and that is, that's a feel of disrespect. You don't feel like you're even respected in his house. So you know what? I'm going to just seal this deal right now, because I don't even want to see you. You know, here's the thing, and I see this happen too often. Women, we come into blended families sometimes, and we come in and we want to wear the pants. We want to be the ones to um, say what goes, how much money you can spend, what you're gonna do, and we don't know how to let go. So why be married? Why do you wanna be married? Why do you wanna have a man in the household if you don't allow him to be a man? God has called him to lead. Do you know how quick I let go of the steering wheel because I was tired of driving? I'm talking about, like, you know, if you think about it, we sit there and we're like, Lord, I need help in this area. Lord, I need this, I need that. And he gives you a helper, but yet then we can't let go of the things that we need to let go of so that he can rise up and be the man that he's called to be in your household. Be the man that he's called to be in the kingdom because as long as he's seeking and going forward and seeking God, then we know we're going to go right with him. We need to let go of the things and we need to be like, you know what, I'm done with this, let him drive. You gotta trust and you gotta encourage. We have to encourage and trust. And it goes vice versa. There's, there's a point where men have to encourage their wives. They need to appreciate and show all of that. Is that my, okay. <laughs> so now there's this huge wall between us. There's this huge wall between us. We can't even see each other. So we're trying to figure out what's going on because, you know, we're a couple. We wake up. It's a new day. It's a Saturday. But for some reason, I'm getting attitude from you or you're getting attitude from me. And we're trying to figure out why because we're like, man, we saw a movie last night. We had dinner. You know, we spent some time last night. Now it's the morning. And why is this attitude? Because what you don't know is this stuff is there all the time. So now because this wall is always there, we can fool others because you guys can see both of us, but we can't see each other. So it's like we're not realizing that we can't even see each other. So it's like this brings on resentment, anger, hurt, fear, rage, and eventually no love because what you can't see, because I can't see you anymore, how can I even love you? So this wall is there at this point right here. This marriage is now toxic. This marriage is toxic, it is festering, it is a festering wound that is giving the, the marriage a fever. And, and because he cannot see me and others can see me, how others treat me is going to be so nice. I'm going to love the attention, I'm going to love the compliments and everything. I'm going to love all of that because you know what, he doesn't see me anyways. 
He doesn't pay attention. So I'm walking and there comes a compliment like, oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, wow, thank you. You know what I love to see? I love to see the couples here spend more time with their spouses than with trying to, hang, trying to hang out with the pastors. Seriously. Because a lot of times, this is so toxic that now you go outward trying to look for this thing. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I love hanging around with you guys. You know what I mean? But when it become, if it becomes too much more than what this should be, so at this point, this is the thing, at this point is now I get a couple people saying, hey, man, I really want to talk to you, man. Our marriage is going through, going through some hardships. You know, I don't, I barely even, I didn't even do nothing. I, I, I left a pair of socks and she blew up because of this wall. Here's the thing, it's not so much the socks, it's because of this huge wall that every little thing ignites and it starts an explosion in the house and you're just like, it wasn't like this before. Why does every little thing I say annoy her? Why does every little thing that I do or that she does annoy me because, because of this wall? Because I don't feel the love. And this wall is here. Hi. So, I know it's getting later, so we're going to go through this next part a little faster than the first part. But here's, here's what is called conflict resolution. Okay? Philippians 2.12 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is what it means. Is that when God gave us the gift of reconciliation, he brought the wall down. Do you know there was a wall like this between you and Christ? And when you surrendered to Christ, the wall came tumbling down. There was no wall with you and Christ. And Jesus basically says, okay, now that we are good, you need to make this good now. Because a lot of us, those of you that are single, you might have this with your own family, with your mother, with your brother, with your sister, years and years and years of stuff, of walls that are unresolved, these conflicts that are not resolved, not talked about, nobody says nothing. So this isn't just toward marriages, this is be toward brothers, this can be toward friends, this can be toward people in the church. This is how you feel, you walk in with a whole wall like this around you in the church because some other church hurt you. So now you just assume and you carry these boxes everywhere with you. But here's the thing, you work out your own salvation of fear and trembling. This is what that means, is Lord, I, I, I'm saved through you, but now you've got to fix all this other stuff. You've got to deal with this other stuff. So the first box, wrong attitudes, right? That, 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 um, that we have a wrong attitude toward one another. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to have the right attitude from now on. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to purposefully talk about this. We've got to talk about this. We have a wrong attitude. You know what? Let's talk about this. At least I can see you right now. Yes, and you know, and at least I could say I'm sorry. Yes, so now you know, I can I'm see. I'm sorry for having that attitude. I think you misunderstood. Yes, yeah, so me. we talk about it. So guess what that is? You take your your you're resolving that conflict, and you take and it down. And then we talk about quitting physically or emotionally. We need to develop perseverance to not quit. We can't quit. You know, babe, I'm with you. I'm with you. I can I can see you. And I want to I want to push forward with this. Pound it. All right. So, so you know what? I'm always sowing this bad seed, and anytime you lay bad seed, it gets bad fruit. And I don't want to do that. I want good seed coming from this family. So you know what? Let's talk about this because you know what? This ain't right. Let's let's let, let's lay some good seed between each other. Amen. And, we can and, produce a harvest and, and resolve this conflict. You know. I know I'm pretty. I know I'm secure. I'm not going to let this jealousy come in between and do any of that. 
So you know what? I'm sorry that I accused. I'm sorry for what I did. Nice. Wow. So, you know, here's the thing that I like to do is when we argue, I just shut it down because I don't want to talk about it, but I realize that when I don't talk about it, it doesn't go away. It creates a box. And I don't want that box anymore, so you're going to have to work with me because every time I want to shut down, maybe you give me a few minutes, but I understand now that when we don't talk about it, sometimes that's worse than just arguing about it. So we need to just talk this out and resolve that. I need to let go of my insecurities and know who I am in Christ. And I need to release that because if I can't release my insecurities, how is he going to know who I am truly? I need, to, um, I need to learn to talk to you instead because every time I talk to somebody else, especially a woman at work, that's a conversation that should have been for you, not for anybody else. So I promise you I'm not going to do that anymore. If I ever have an issue, I'm not going to talk to my friends or my brothers. I'm not going to throw stuff on Facebook that you know I'm talking about you, but I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not going to do that anymore. So you know what? We need to fix that and, and resolve that conflict. Thank you. Not sacrificing or finding compromise for your partner. Learn of what your partner likes so it's not one-sided. And this is really big, too, because a lot of the times, like I said, a woman can lose herself if we're constantly, always, always wanting to just fulfill what it is that they want to do. Come together and compromise to do something together. So that way you can, you know, David loved to ride cycling at the beginning. And I went and fell like seven times going out there. And you know that, I mean, I fell every time. She's like, you're going again, you're gonna fall again. But the thing was, is I wanted to learn to love what it was that he loved. And I never stopped. And I learned to love it. And I began to love it. And it became something we did together. And we're going to talk. I'm going to stop putting our business out there. It's like every time we have a fight, everybody in the church has to know. You know, I'm going to quit doing that. You know, it's like, we got to be like, like, like Tupac said, me and my girlfriend. You know what I mean? From this point on. And we're just going to write this thing out. Because honestly, the whole world... Can, can just catch on fire, but I'm going to be with you, and you're going to be with me, and that's it. It's us against the world, baby. So we're going to take this thing down. You know, babe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respect you, you know, because it's, it's not much to ask for. So I'm going to show you, but you need to show me, and you need to talk to me about how I'm disrespecting you so that I can understand not to do that again and not make that mistake of disrespecting you. Well, that respect feels good. And that, when you respect me, it makes me feel like a man and it makes me want to love you now. Because it's like every man wants to be respected. If he's not respected, a man doesn't feel loved. And I just want to be respected. Maybe I'm not, you know, the richest person in the world or the smartest person in the world, but everything I do, I do for us. So because of that, I'm going to embrace you and I'm going to love on you. Ciao! <laughs> All right. He needs to know. He can't read my mind. And a lot of the times I come thinking, well, you should know this already. He's like, I can't read your mind. So now I'm going to communicate it to him and I'm going to tell him what it is exactly that I'm feeling. So he doesn't have to sit there and wonder and assume or any of that. I'm ready to communicate that way. Well, since you want to communicate, I'm going to 
we need to figure out how we're going to parent these kids because I feel like my hands are tied and I can't say nothing because if I say something, you jump on your kid's side. And that's not right because you didn't marry your kid and I didn't marry your kid. We married each other. So if we can't have something together, then they're going to fall apart. And what are we showing them? So we're not going to do this. We're going to figure out how to punish Abraham. And we're going to do it together. He's <laughs> okay, baby. <laughs> they're awesome. <laughs> you know, I, I think that is such an important thing because from, from the beginning, we got to be able to, to set the... Um, to set the stage for the parent that's coming in, and especially if it's a man, because we want to teach our kids to respect. You know, there's times where they all come against me, but I, inside, I feel so happy knowing that he has a man like him. I'm so blessed, and, I, and it feels so good knowing because it's something that he's never had. So I'm like, it's okay if I'm, like, you know, pushed to the side or whatever, because I praise God for that. I really do. So we got to encourage our kids to respect. They have such an amazing relationship, and I love that. And I will continue to feed that, and I will continue to push on that and to encourage that. You need to encourage your children to have a relationship with their parents, even biological. Believe it or not, there's biological parents that aren't even close with their children, and that's hard. That's really hard. So we got to be the encourager, not the one who discourages. I want to add something to that real quick is the fact of this, um, to step parents, whether you're, you're the woman or the man, don't try ordering those stepkids in your house until they know that you love them. Because if you don't love them, you have no right to discipline them. Because then it's coming from a different part of your heart. But once the thing is that once they know that you love them, then they know the discipline is coming to better them. You're just doing it because you want a better life for them. But without love, they're not gonna, they're, you're just gonna be a jerk. And that's it, you know, so. Do something for one another, you know, because when we don't feel loved, physically loved, or we don't feel that, do something special for one another. And I know that this was part of the first week that we got, that we got to do something special. Take the time to do it. If you have the time to message, text, get on Facebook, or do anything, then you have the time to do something special for your loved one. I think I ran out of some. No, you talked about that. Oh, no, 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 actually, no. No, we did it. Financial, you better, I'm a, what? <laughs> you see, you guys? Financial hardship is a huge one, especially like those of us that are, we, we were single, we're independent, we had our own bank account, our own stuff, and all of a sudden, now I gotta share my money with you. And you keep going to Ross, and you keep going to Dee Dee's, and I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm naming all the places you like to go. <laughs> so here's the thing, though, is you have to, it's, it's hard, it's hard to sit down and say, you know what, we're going to respect this, and we're going to put our income and figure out what we're going to do together. And that way, because what, what happens, too, sometimes is, is a man, we think, you know what, I don't want her to worry about this bill, so I'm not going to tell her that it's overdue. You know? And what happens, though, not is good. that if you don't get to that bill and it blows up, guess what happens? She's like, why did he not tell me? And that puts a box. you got to talk about these things, you know, because it, it's not, you have to deal with this money thing together because you got to remember your team. It causes a lot of stress. A lot of stress. 
When you feel that you cannot sleep because of all that constantly on your mind and everything and you cannot sleep, number one, you're losing all this sleep because you're so stressed, because you're trying to wonder, how am I gonna pay that off? How am I gonna do that? You know, um, you need to talk it over because it will cause stress, and when you have all this stress in your life and in between you guys, then all of this will immediately be built up again. Because the anger, everything will come up like this. Or I'm trying to handle these bills myself, and I don't wanna stress her about it, So the pressure's on me, and because the pressure's on me, and I'm trying to figure out, I'm alienating myself. So now she says something, and it just sounds really dumb to me because she doesn't know the situation because she can't read my mind. So now I'm going to blow up on you, and you have no idea why because you don't know that I'm stressing on the bills. And then I shut down, and there I go. Yeah, so you know what I mean? Here's the thing, right, is we need to resolve all of these conflicts one by one. Here's the thing. It goes back to the verse. Where it says work out your own salvation, that, that word work, it actually means work. See, a lot of times we come to Christ and we think this is just going to disappear. It disappears between us and God. It doesn't disappear between the people around you. That's why it's called work. Work your salvation We can't so expect perfection if we are not perfect. Yeah, so a lot of times we have people come and so pray for a marriage, you know, this and this and this. And they think because of a prayer, it's just going to poof, blow away. It's not going to happen. It's work. This, taking these boxes down, even though right now it took 15 minutes, it could take a year to put this down. How long did it take you to build this wall? Yeah. For some people, it's taking 20 years, five years, six months, whatever. So you can't expect a prayer just to make it poof. And your prayer is that God gives you discernment so you can know how to target each one of these things and hit these things one by one. Because I don't want to live a marriage completely on a different wall than my spouse. I don't want to do that because that is not going to work. That is not giving a good example to the church. That's not giving a good example to our children. That's not a good, that's not a happy way to live for us. have to resolve here. Oh. <laughs> better stop it, girl. You better stop it. <laughs> so now that the wall is down, we can truly see each other. Unresolved conflict. Look that, at me. <laughs> that is the gift that Jesus gave us the gift of, of reconciliation, the gift to reconcile. So now together we can reach the families. Now together we can reach our friends. Now together we can reach the lost. Now we can lead by that example and not have this, this weird wall between us and we can go through things. Because I will tell you, man, life is hard enough. Life is hard already. I always tell people, man, Show your kids a good example at home. And they're like, well, they're going to hear cuss words out there. They're going to see drinking. They're going to see drugs out there. They're going to see gangbangers out there. I can't hide it from them. No, listen, you've got to change your perspective. Just because they're going to see it in the world, you've got to give them a place that they can come and just yeah. be neutral. Safe place. You've got to be that living yes. example. Is this? Is your kids might want to do whatever it is they want to do, but they will not learn it from me. They will not learn it from this house. Yes. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. So we need to lead by that example. You know, and, and I really pray that this ministered to you guys, that this showed you something because... These boxes weren't cheap, you know, but, uh, um, you know, I, I want you guys to know that we started out maybe the first two boxes really um, reflecting our lives, but as we continue to go, we wanted to reflect what just everybody goes through, you know, ministering together, um, we've gone through so many circumstances and seen so many marriages and we've seen so many people that have come to us and 
I think those are things that we needed to bring out and discuss. I don't want you to be like, oh my God, their marriage is that bad? No. You know, I praise God because we actually, we seek God together, we do things together, we talk, and, there, and, and it has taken time. Yeah. I promise you, it has. Because there was so much brokenness here and so much brokenness here. Bringing two broken people together, can you imagine the pieces that you have to be picking up and then a wall builds up, you gotta tear it down and rebuild it again? It's a lot of work to have to do that over and over and over again. So I say this, that this is for everybody, not just married couples, it's for everybody in life. It's the reconciliation with Christ. It's, it's finding who you are and well, how people are gonna benefit from you. Are they gonna benefit Christ? Because ultimately, isn't that what we're mandated to do? We're mandated to be here to speak the word, to bring life to others, to speak life into others. And how can we do that if we have these walls up all the time? How many of you, this is the first time hearing something like this with, with this invisible wall? It's first time? How many of it was an eye opener? Because I, I pretty much know that whether it's with our spouse or somebody in our family, we have this. And as we were speaking, you're like, that's what's wrong. That's why I blow up every time I'm around this person. I don't even know why. That's why I see them on holidays, and at first I'm happy to see them, and all of a sudden they do something that just irritates me. This is why, because this wall has been built, and the only one that's going to tear it down is you. That's it. You know. And I hope that this speaks to you, this speaks into your relationships, whether it's marriage or friendship or parenting or whoever it is. You know, this, this has to be talked about. And, and the only way to resolve it is to talk about it. And that's it. And I want to bring this to our youth, too. You're not excluded from anything, you know? Because we build walls up with our parents as well. And I know that for a fact because I built a wall really high with my mom. You know, really, really high. And I needed to tear that down. I needed to put the cross between me and her because if I didn't do that, then I wasn't going to be able to love her. I was not going to be able to love her the way I wanted to love her. And sometimes we need to be the ones. You guys have the ability and the capability. God has given you the power, and you've got to believe that and know that to tear down walls. If there's a disagreement, if there's something that you're feeling towards your parent or somebody that you love, talk to them. Tell them, communicate, and tear down the walls that are building because we don't want no walls. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, you guys will always be our babies. And when life hits hard, guess who's going to be there for you? It's going to be your parents. And you're going to know who to call out to because they gave you the example of who to call out to. Amen. So just know that. Let's this all is please, for everybody. Let's all please stand. We're just going to write where you're at. We're going to play a song. And we're going to pray. If you have a spouse, please just hold her hand, put your arm around them, whatever it is. If you have a friend. I if, if somebody that you love, somebody at the wall, just, just, and you're here by yourself, just, just put that person in your mind right now. Go ahead and play that. And we're just going to pray together right where you're at. Because somewhere in your life, a wall needs to come down. Lord God, we just thank you, Lord God, for this time and this moment. We thank you for this teaching. We thank you, Lord, for realizing, Lord God. That maybe we didn't even know that walls were being built. That even though sometimes we walk away from arguments, that doesn't... That doesn't resolve the conflict. It still leaves a box there. It still leaves a huge brick. 
it still leaves something and we sometimes don't understand that we're building these things and Lord God sometimes we build this wall against you because we don't come to you we just get let down by you we get fed up with you we feel like you don't answer our prayers and one by one the brick gets built and before we know it we can't even see you anymore we can't even feel you anymore so right now we pray for that wall to be tumbled down Lord God we pray for us to begin to work in these walls, these 